0: Hello and welcome back to Diet Stars tomorrow.
1: I'm Sammy, and today Aileen is absent from the podcast, but we have a very amazing guest. <laughs> her name is Emily Beerley, a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in sex, relationships, and body image. Some of you may have heard her on the Betches Brides podcast, which your episodes were incredible. Oh, so thank you. Welcome, Emily.
2: Oh, I'm very excited to be here because. DST, you guys know what you're doing over here. Thank you. You've got a lot of good people coming on. I feel a little bit in the presence of greatness. So everyone work with me here, okay?
1: Thank you. I mean, we're really trying to get some, you know, amazing guests, new perspectives. You have phenomenal, and yep. I think that you really fit in with, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, just before we start, um, you're on Instagram, you can find Emily at, at WC Therapy Group, uh-huh. and she is also the host of the podcast Shrink Chicks. Yes, so you can
2: check that out at Shrink Chicks. Um, give it a listen. Um, if you're in the Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, Westchester area, or you're looking for virtual sessions, you can reach on out and DM us
1: there or check out our website. So if you like what you hear today, now you know where to find her. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about the whole world of... How our body image and how basically how our body image and how we feel about ourselves and our habits impacts our relationships, impacts our sex life, and impacts the communication that we have with our partners.
2: Absolutely. So what we have to do is we have to bring it down even deeper, which is the fact of how bodies are looked at within our world and culture, which is that thinness is better. Yes. Thinness is. Well, no, I'm not agreeing,
1: but no, I'm saying... No, no,
2: no. I sure as yeah. fuck don't agree either. <laughs> yeah. But stick with me here. What our society and culture tells us is thinness is better. And here's, you guys, you ready for the tea with it? You ready for having to go really deep, really fast? Yeah. L- listen, to the fuck the patriarchy here. Ready. now. Okay. You're talking here, to the right guy. Right. all right, listen. So for everyone listening, I want you to, first of all, you're going to check out Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagalski. And they're going to really talk about there's a part of the industrial revolution where if you guys remember, and if we look at, past art, women were shapely and curvy. And and that was a status symbol because it was food, right? So it meant that you could afford food and you could afford the privilege of not working and you got to just live in your curves and your beauty. And then something happened in the 19th century where... We started saying to men, you know what? It's really better if you can provide that, you know, your woman is fragile. She's delicate. So I guess it's meaning that you make enough money, your status symbol, that you don't need her to work. So we started making that your woman should be small, like property. Right. So when the cultural shift happens about thinness is better, it was a large
1: part because of the patriarchy. (laughs) Yeah, but do you think that do you think that, that shift happened? I mean, I feel like women were sort of always looked at as property, like oh, the I earliest mean, always, marriages. Always.
2: But at first yeah. there was the, it was that if they were larger, it meant that your husband could provide for you. Right, right. Instead, and so then we got to this really late, really Toxic diet culture And a lot of that happens
1: Interestingly enough Around the industrial revolution Well do you think The difference is that Once things started Becoming mass produced It was Oh my god You didn't have to Chase down your food As much Exactly So like Yeah before When no one could get food And it was really hard To get food People who were able To get it were, looked like were the status symbol because they were large enough because they were consistently exactly, eating.
2: Exactly, right? right? So then this shift happened. So then it was all about women being small
1: and fragile and
2: delicate, which is actually not at all what our bodies were meant to do. Right. So it, it, it impacts us in every single way when we think about the morality and thinness and what it's supposed to look like. Here's what we also know. It is literally more unhealthy to be five pounds underweight than 70 pounds overweight.
1: Really? <laughs> yes, how do we know this?
2: How, because yeah. there was literally research. If you look into, and they've done this because they've done huge studies of, of tons of people where they looked at people that were deemed, and keep in mind it's through BMI, of overweight and their health was actually better than people that were five pounds underweight.
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think that there there are definitely a lot of complications. I mean, especially when it comes to like fertility and IVF that oh, where weight whether you're under or over but especially under I yes. think in a lot of so, cases
2: okay so if we look at this in the broader yeah. sense and then to think about everything from our culture impacts this everything happens within context so yes we're getting all these little things but also i want you to think about what did you say and there's something of this diet culture if it's overt or covert so maybe growing up your mom looked in the mirror and she said "Ugh, i'm so gross i hate my thighs but maybe it was a little bit more curv- covert than that maybe it was you're so lucky you can have that cupcake i have to eat these carrots Right, right. And so I heard that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so exactly. And most of us did. And not because our parents or our mothers were bad people, simply because they were just in the same realm as us.
1: Right. So how do you think, um, well, now that thinness is sort of expected, yeah. how do you think that that demand that's placed on women plays out in relationships, whether they're new, maybe Absolutely. they haven't started yet, maybe people are just dating? So when we say um, to
2: women, is it's better to be thin? Right, so when it's better to be thin, it also means you're better in your relationship when it's thin, that your husband will want you more, your partner will want you more, or dating will be easier, or you can even, I mean, we even have studies that show people that are overweight get paid less than people that are thin. Right. So everything in your life is better if you're thin, and that includes your marriage. Let me tell you, as somebody who spends almost all of their time working with marriages, it sure as fuck does not matter what you weigh. It matters a hell of a lot more about what communication, what attunement, what attachment, But we are fooled to think that life will be easier and better for me if I'm thin. And
1: in some ways, it is. Right. I mean, it's not like thin women haven't gotten divorced before. (laughs) Exactly. I think we can name several.
2: I think we can name many of them and many are in my office. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But so, okay. So let's say, you know, I do think a lot of women maybe listeners to this podcast myself, formerly felt like, oh, I can't date until I feel oh like I look a certain way. Absolutely. Or no one will want me until I, I feel like, until I look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then let's say, okay, so let's say you do believe that, but you do get into a relationship. Yep. And you have a partner. How is the relationship affected by women and how they feel about themselves? Okay, right. And also the habits that they're you know living Absol- by.
2: Absolutely, right. So there's a few things. So let's break it down a little bit to like um, physical, emotional, and mental. Just to make this a little easier, all right? So physical, if I don't feel good about my body, I probably don't want to be seen naked by you. Right. Right. So I'm probably, it's going to be harder for me to be able to be present. And one of the things that we know is if sex is just about hitting a goal of let's just get to orgasm, let's just get him to come and I'm out of here. And listen, let's not pretend like we don't do this, ladies. Let's not pretend like in our head we don't know exactly what moves to do to make our partner easily ejaculate and then we're fucking done (laughs) and I can go and hide myself under the covers. So that's once. And what we really know is that good sex is pleasure focused, but I can't be grounded and connected to. my body if I hate it right and I can't have pleasurable focused sex if I hate my body
1: so let's say you do hate your body mm-hmm. how do you overcome that so that it stops kind of getting in the way of what should be really great absolutely yeah. so
2: the first thing I want you to really think about is insight awareness and that leads to action so the insight is insight is where did I learn to hate my body what messages have I gotten? What messages do I continuously get? Because we're talking about stuff that happened in childhood. So many of us get these messages every single day. And also, to, does my partner slyly tell me that I should be losing weight? Does my mother still slyly tell me? I mean, something that we know. We can even look at, are you Jewish, Sammy? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So Jewish mothers, yeah. what do they like to yeah. tell us? Eat, 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 but don't be too big. Yeah. And <laughs>
1: Right? Yes. Right? But eat I will all the say food. my yeah. mother has, has uh, knocked it off. A lot.
2: Right. But and that was something. But also it's because their mothers want to tell you. My mother grew up in Manhattan. My grandmother was part of the New York public school system. She was a teacher. My mom has memories of being eight years old and having to go to the school district office for her mother to get weighed because you couldn't be a teacher if you were too fat. Really? That's a real fucking story. That's
1: insane. My
2: mother is alive. I'm not that old. Wow. (laughs) This is a thing that was happening not that long ago. Who stopped that? I don't know. It's a really yeah. great question. I, and she probably knows the answer. I should have to look more into this. But so she has memories of being eight years old, going with her mother to get weighed by the school district.
1: That's crazy. Right? So what It's do like you, you're not a wrestler. That's <laughs>
2: Your weight uh, has nothing to do. For most of us, our weight does not matter in our careers.
1: Well, you're maybe it doesn't matter in, in the sense that there will be a measurement yes, yes. and then a consequence. But I think that for all of us, I think weight... Is consequential in a society That is fundamentally fat phobic Absolutely Because you It's like a halo effect If you're thin Uh And beautiful on the outside People just assume That you're You know amazing And you have integrity And you are You know competent And just good at Whatever it is But I think that People who are overweight don't get the same benefit of the doubt. And in fact, negative things are projected upon them. You're unhealthy, you're lazy, you're incompetent. You can't get it together.
2: Well, and also what we have to remember is there's also, this is directly being told through, I mean, okay, I'm on my husband's insurance. Every year I have to do um, a health wellness check-in that includes my weight, what my exercise is, all of these things to the... well, how's that different from like a physical... It's basically is a physical, but as an adult for my insurance, right? Uh-huh. I have to be measured and looked at, which but is also being, do we all have to do that? Is that different? It, no, it's it's, it's based on your insurance provider.
1: Oh, but okay. so that's in
2: the workplace, right? So because it's through my husband's work.
1: Oh, okay. So you didn't like obviously no. pick that insurance provider. Fuck no! And right. if I was
2: doing it for my own office, I would never allow an insurance provider to do that. But something to keep in mind: of you're right, how much we are inherently fat phobic and how deep-seated this is
1: right so let's say you're in a relationship and you're everything's great but you have these feelings about yourself mm-hmm. and you constant and and for you the tie has not been made um or you haven't broken the the pattern of believing that you have to continue you yeah. have to lose weight in order to love yourself and that you, your self-love is conditional on that yeah. so how do you... and then it's affecting your relationship Absolutely. because you don't want to have sex as much and whatever it is. How do you fix that? So,
2: all right. So we talk about this idea of the insight and awareness, right? So the first one is to go through this insight. It depends how you heal. A lot of us heal through education. So doing stuff like listening to certain podcasts, following um, fat positive people. Some of us don't heal by education. Some of us are completely freaked out about it freaked out by it I don't want to hear more about this so how do you heal and how much of this are you willing to actually buy into something else if if diet culture has been been selling me one message my entire fucking life guess what guys this is not going to be cured overnight right Right, if I hear it everywhere, it's basically like somebody follows you around all day saying you're not fucking enough, you're not enough, you're not enough. And then you go to a therapist's office twice and you think, well, what? why don't I feel better? It's been two times. Well, shit, that doesn't do anything compared to every single moment of your life, your entire life. It takes a ton of time and dedication. As much dedication as you've probably put on diet culture before. If you've been willing to stick to a, like, um, a restrictive diet plan to stay on Weight Watchers, to do any of these other things, are you also restricting the same amount of time and energy onto growing and loving yourself as it is? Probably not.
1: That's a great point. Um, I So I follow this trainer who mm-hmm. she posted something that was like, you'll know that you... So she's tel- helping people lose weight, yes. but I think ironically yeah, yeah. you can place this onto what you just said it was like when you are spending stop complaining about spending so much money on fitness because when you stop spending when you are willing to spend as much money on fitness and like your growth in that area as you are on like alcohol and drinks Mm -hmm. then we can talk
2: absolutely and i think that that
1: applies to you know when you're willing to spend as much headspace and money meaning money for a therapist or whatever it is um on healing as you are on getting the on the things that you spent getting fucked up absolutely right yeah okay right and so keep in mind i can
2: remember being young and reading did you ever read skinny bitch i can remember yes i talked about skinny bitch a lot uh, in college i remember everyone passing skinny bitch around right Yes. so every we all took time to read that how long have you taken to actually read a body positive self-love book
1: at this most, point I, you I have. have you but, have, but
2: most people listening yeah. have not, right? Right. So don't think it's gonna happen overnight. It takes a ton of time. And also don't and anytime
1: f- you have a therapist that you're like <laughs> oh, shit. Yes. Another 200 dollars
2: I know. So it does seem overwhelming, right? And it can feel this really overwhelming thing. Because here's the thing is you're right. 50 minutes in a room does nothing if the rest of the time you're not trying. So right. read the books, follow the Instagram accounts. You know, listen to the podcast, do the things to really focus on that mental health to handle this. And also, if we're talking about this in terms of relationships, what does my partner believe? Are they on board with this or is my, my partner still buying into some of this diet culture bullshit or are they obsessed with this?
3: It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've gotta try Small's. Small's cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages and you scoop it and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh, protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce.
1: So, what if the case is that your partner expects you to be thin because they buy into diet culture, but they don't actually support your good habits, you know, like, or or do things that would mean they have to sacrifice something to help you? Here's the bad news like ordering (laughs) in a ton of food. (laughs) Yes. And encouraging, like, we're going out to mm -hmm. feast. Well, I think there's a few things you do. One,
2: I want you to be weary of anyone who expects your body to be anything. Because your body does not belong to someone else and sex is a lot more than fucking someone else's body. And so if your partner is just thinking about that or, it's, or saying to you things like, well, I need you to weigh a certain amount to be turned on. Bullshit.
1: What if it's less than okay. that?
2: Because mm-hmm. that's overt. Oh, that's ver- yes, that, yeah, that might cause someone to be so, like, oh, that's so, a big red flag. So the flag. covert is, well, why didn't you get to the gym today?
1: Or no. What if it's just like they're a little bit less attracted to you subtly? i they act mm -hmm. less, and in a way that they can't even like help necessarily. Maybe they just like are a little bit less attracted to you because it's so ingrained. Yeah. So
2: I think part of that is how comfortable you with communication. Because if I want to change somebody, it takes two people to set a dynamic, but only one person to change it. So if you want to change a dynamic in your relationship, you don't necessarily need your partner to do that. You can bring things to the surface. Hey, this is what I'm noticing. Are these things coming up for you? And probably for a while, a lot of times, especially if your partner happens to be male, they're going to say things like, oh, no, I've just been tired. I've just been stressed, blah, 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 because they're not really wanting to take a look at themselves either. So I think it does come with a bunch of conversation. And you have to make sure that relationships that last are ones that you can be fully vulnerable with. Right, and that takes a lot of work from you, and it takes work from your partner. So, are you willing to go deep with that? Are you willing to educate yourself and educate them? And can they hear that? And if your partner is not growing in the same direction as you, that tells you something about how long this is going to last. And I, I'm always the bad guy to say that, but uh.
1: it's rough. <laughs> so, how frequently do people come to you with this as sort of their a p a big problem? I have never had a session. With
2: any human that does not involve body image.
1: Ever? I No. So what are the different ways that that can come up that it's not, where they're not bringing this to you as the problem? They're not coming to you with this oh issue, my well, obviously. Comes up
2: every time. So anytime I have a couple that asks about sex, I always ask about body image. I mean, there's other things I'm asking about too. I'm asking, is your, is your room clean? I'm asking, you know, how's your stressors at work? But I'm also asking about body image. If somebody feels like um, they are feeling rejected or they can't put themselves out there well how do you feel in your body right there's i can't even tell you about people how often i hear and i'm sure you hear this all the time which is well once i lose 15 pounds well once i do this well right well once i do that once i do that then it'll be better it'll be happy i'll put myself out for the promotion i'll do this i'll do that i'll buy myself new clothes My, my biggest pet peeve is when people save their old clothes throw it the fuck out Right. Dress the body that you have And dress it beautifully I'm in my post baby body right now And you guys can't see me But I'm in a big sparkly outfit It's fun I, I dress myself very well No matter what weight that I'm in Because my body deserves that And I feel better in it And all of us All of us deserve that
1: It's a gift to yourself Do men yeah. ever come Is it ever a body image issue for the man?
2: Yes Often,
1: how does that play out? Usually,
2: um, it's really interesting, and I think sometimes women we have a lack of empathy for it. I often notice, like in some of my couples, if it's a heterosexual couple, sometimes a women it's really hard for them to have empathy for men going through that. Um, I don't believe it's as bad for men, but I do know that statistically we have a huge rise in body dysmorphia for men.
1: Really? Yes,
2: especially. I mean, there is. There's just so much importance on how you look as a society we're so shallow yeah there is just so if we really think about and and this is an important thing for people to do think about what are my values and morals most of us don't say physical appearance when we do our top five it's often being a giving person being kind uh, supporting my family being a good partner very rarely does body image come up and yet how much of my mental capacity is spent on that
1: it's a great point so earlier you used the word fat positive. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the difference between fat positive and body acceptance? Or yeah, like So So body acceptance is about I'm just okay with who I am. Okay.
2: Fat positive is I like actually fucking love myself and I'm fat. Also, we have like Lizzo. To, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Lizzo. Um there is the fat sex therapist, is an amazing person to follow. He does a ton of fat work um on Instagram. It's sort of saying like it, it, we have this issue that really it's health at every size, that weight and health really don't correlate. And we've just been lied to because BMI was created by a group of independent practitioners. I believe it was nine. I'm sure they were all men, although I have to look it up. Don't judge me, everyone. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, think it was, I think it was nine men. And I'm pretty sure seven of them were paid for on the payroll of some type of weight loss clinic.
1: Right. I'm sure. So
2: BMI That's is America. bullshit. It's it's America. Exactly, right? Because it's all about lobbies. And that's what I mean about we cannot take the context of a relationship without looking at the larger context of your family of origin, of the society and culture you grew up in. It all goes back. Everything connects to everything.
1: That's true. hmm So let's say you feel, like, what advice would you give to someone who doesn't feel good about their body, but they're in a relationship and their sex life is suffering? Yeah. But they're not; their weight's not changing clearly. No. Yeah. And you're saying that it doesn't, it shouldn't need to. No. How do you ease people into like, avi- like advising them for now how to look at their sex life and how to actually go about having sex if they feel badly about themselves? So
2: one of the things I say is is usually if you're in your head, it's called spectating. It means yes, I'm not. I've heard yes, you heard this. Yes. So if you're, if I'm not present in my body, which means like right, and all of all us of I
1: hate when I do that. It's heavy very uncomfortable. Spirits. Yes. Yeah. It's. I think it's very normal. I'm it's sure so, there's, oh everyone God, has so done this. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Right. And I can't even tell you in my life how many times I've been having sex with my partner and I'm like thinking like, oh God, how do I look? And you can position? go in and out of it. Absolutely. Right. And so but the biggest thing I can say is if we're f- specifically focusing on sex, bring yourself back to your body. Reconnect and rebuild. Reground yourself with your body And one of the ways Like how do you do that even? Okay so right So one of the
1: exercises You want like
2: an exercise Yeah No
1: problem Yeah, let's In the end. moment Okay yes. let's okay. say you're, you're having sex And I'm saying This can happen for Like it's not like Oh yes. if you just no. feel bad about yourself You'll do this I think people do this I think people all the do time. it If
2: they're stressed If they're yeah. anxious If I'm worrying If the baby's gonna wake up From her nap Sometimes I'm not fully present So here's where I start Start with yeah. my fingers What do my fingers feel What are they touching Start with my toes How does my body feel physically feel in this space and obviously especially if we're having penetrative sex what's going on with my clit right right if i refocusing can i say clit on this show yes definitely right so refocus in how does my clit feel what do i need do i need like a different type of sensation is penetration really not working and i would like some external like external stimulation what really works what are my erogenous zones and ladies, what this really comes down to is you need to masturbate more. That seems very silly, but one of the best ways to work through sex in your body is having sex with yourself.
1: So what if people are hesitant? I, I mean, I'm sure I would imagine most people have. <laughs> what, But what if you're like not, you know experimental in that way like what if people feel hesitant about doing that well or or about kind of like taking it farther than they may have
2: absolutely okay so keep in mind that a lot of a lot of us have experienced body shame and sexual shame and these go together and so when we have been shamed whether it's our body whether it's with sex whether it's really anything in life um it separates us from ourselves if i grew up in a very let's say religiously conservative family right where masturbation was wrong and sex before marriage was wrong i I can't tell you how often i work with couples that saved marriage until sex and thought it was just going to work out right it's a myth that people are given right when most of us started having sex 15 16 12 years old you know whatever's for you it probably wasn't that good at the beginning right was pretty awkward it took some time to figure things out um Even, guess what guys, no matter what age you start having sex, even if you save it until marriage, that shit takes a while to figure out. Right. So it doesn't matter if you're 15 or 25, you need to learn about your body and rejoin with it and become its friend. And if you are always at odds with your body and hating it, you can't enjoy it, pleasure focused or not.
1: Do you think there's something to putting the pleasure first, meaning like if you can find pleasure in your body Mm -hmm. that and you feel empowered to give it to yourself or get it from someone else do you think that there is a way that you can start to love your body like retroactively because you are like oh well this is great even though I didn't lose any weight Mm -hmm. like it's still great I still feel amazing maybe this weight is not as important as I think absolutely right so
2: one of the things to remember is the thoughts and feelings are not facts Just because I have a thought, I don't have to buy into it all the time, right? And the same thing, you know. one of the things I hate that I hear so many therapists do, and I've yet to find anyone this has been beneficial for, is they say, well, stand in in the mirror and do positive affirmations. Please tell me, if I hate my body, standing in front of a mirror saying, I love my body, that shit doesn't fucking work. I just feel silly, right? right? So what I'd really like you to do is first tell yourself to fuck off. The best thing you can actually do is say, you wanna know what, I don't love my body right now, but I'm not going to hate it and I'm going to try to keep working on my relationship with it. I'm going to try to keep mending. It's a really, really slow process of learning to be friends with yourself and your
1: body. I think I got off track with your question, but there's something to that. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. Um, No, I think it really does come down to like forgiveness and I think that that can happen in all areas. Like right now we're focusing on on sex and your body, but but I think that ultimately that can happen in so many arenas As we've been talking about For the past few weeks
2: Yeah Oh, oh so wait yeah. So there was this part About your question right So like Do I have to buy into All of this You, you don't Let your thoughts Just be thoughts When I have um, It's totally normal To have automatic Negative thoughts I don't have to then Spend 13 years Processing them Sometimes you should say Whoa. Thank you for that permission
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it
2: <laughs> Right So when I go down that You know what I can just say To myself is Whew, That was pretty mean now I have to go to my next meeting. Right. Call yourself out. The same thing. If you had someone in your life who is being negative and mean towards you, I would really encourage you to call them out and not be positive. Same thing with yourself. Well, that's hard when
1: you haven't really cultivated self-worth. Absolutely. And I think many people haven't. Mm-hmm. And so they're and starting so- you're you're starting in a in a place where the people around you don't treat you as you yeah. should. You don't treat yourself as you should. You don't treat your body as you should. You don't appreciate sex or Absolutely. or give or take it the way that you should.
2: And if you're on a mission to really work on creating more self-worth, a lot of it starts with boundaries. What right. am I okay with other people treating me and how am I okay with treating myself and what boundaries am I setting for that?
1: Right. I'm just going to ask this because I feel like this is a question would that would lots of people want to know. How often do you think couples should have sex every week?
2: You know what I hear this all the time. All right. Do you want to know? That's why I'm I, asking. You, okay. Yeah. So, here's the average. You ready? Yeah. It's typically, we think, around 66 times a year. So what that probably means is maybe once a week and then holidays and special occasions. That sounds like it. Right, so like that's sort of like when we think about it, that's a statistic. If you are not having sex with your partner once a week, that's okay, if you're having more, that's okay too. What I want you to really think about is quality over quantity. Right. I have worked with couples before that are having sex every single day and they're fucking miserable, or the sex isn't very good. Is So ask yourself, is the sex that I'm having good? Why am I having this amount of sex? And why is the number so important to me?
1: Is mass sex worse than zero sex?
2: I think it depends on you. If I'm having sex with my partner because it's important to him and I don't really care, it's not a big deal for me, I have a pretty good relationship with myself, my body, and my sex life, then sex for him, sometimes just to get off, is not a big deal Right. for someone else.
1: Okay, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, which is that you are a post-baby body.
0: Yes. So
1: what has that process been like? Is this your first baby?
2: This is my first baby. My daughter turns one. Thank you. My daughter turns one next week. This weekend, we're having her first birthday party. It is a meatball-themed. Oh, wow. If you want to learn about self-love, man, spend time with a baby. I can't tell you how much I have learned. So I think it's interesting. I... I um, feel that I have been a diet addict for most of my life. I have struggled with disordered eating my entire life and in and out of spouts of what I would think is actually a very real eating disorder. Um, I thought I was doing pretty well until I got pregnant. Pregnancy is very difficult I can't even tell you the amount of messages women get about what they should weigh before, what your doctors, I mean, there's doctors legitimately, I can't tell you how many clients I work with that are so small that are being told by their, their doctors they're losing weight, they're, they're gaining weight too quickly, and oh, well, you don't want to have to take that all off at the end.
1: Really? And
2: so much of this really depends also on like what your fertility experience was, right? So for me, it took me two years to have a child. I went through a very difficult time. Um, During that, I would say I gained a significant amount of weight. I was pretty depressed and I really was avoiding my own feelings and... um, wasn't really addressing what was going on I felt very overwhelmed with the fertility process it's so medical did
1: you you did IVF
2: I so we didn't yeah. do IVF actually I was so so lucky I um found that I was pregnant with my daughter two weeks before we started um oh IVF. wow
1: you were just in the nick <laughs> of time I was
2: literally incredibly lucky and the reason was I kept pushing IVF back mainly because I'm insane already and so the idea of taking more hormones to me and to my partner was very scary um yeah. he was like good god I don't know if we can do this so I was sort of like but I was was told at the very beginning, um, I've known since I was 18 years old, I have PCOS. Also, if you have PCOS and you're listening, remember that PCOS has a very high correlation with an eating disorder. There's massive studies happening right now on this that they just discovered this. Interesting. mm -hmm, So, people that have PCOS and maybe are at higher weights are more prone towards eating disorders, which also does not help with fertility. So, I knew that fertility was going to be a struggle. My doctor had said there's no way you're getting pregnant without IVF. And so, when you're told that and you already live in a culture that makes you at war with your body, you get very angry with your body that it's not doing what you think it should be.
1: I can't tell you the number of people who I've heard. Of with PCOS Mm -hmm. or something similar, who have been told you can't have another baby and then they did, or a baby and then uh, they had. Yes,
2: that's the thing is so, and keep in mind doctors, they're just saying what they think. You know, I don't think anyone's these evil, bad people. I also um, think that we do a really bad job of educating women of how to take care of their bodies. I also think we do a very bad job of um, the reality is, and like I said, not to go extreme anti-feminist, uh, uh, very, very feminist again, but um, we don't do enough research towards women's health. And we don't care really about women's um, hormonal birth control. And there's just not enough stuff. So we put women on birth control at 12 years old, many of them that have PCOS, which is why they're having these um irregular or painful periods at a young age we don't diagnose it we put them on a hormonal birth control we leave them on it you know 15 years when they want to start trying to have a child and then we're like oh never mind you'll have to do IVF let's put some more stuff in your body right so
1: <laughs> keep whereas that. like the body itself just does naturally want to conceive because
2: exactly like,
1: barring like a real dysfunction or issue yes
2: exactly right yeah yeah but also then let's put you at war with your body so all right so then yes right so mentally worth your body okay so then you get pregnant so then you have the baby and then what do you think happens about two days and the whole time don't worry you're having a baby everyone's saying to you oh don't worry you'll lose so much weight with breastfeeding i hear that too listen as somebody who still has a child attached to their tit i'm still i'll let you know when it happens i don't really buy this that might be accurate for some people but it's also a thing we say to women is oh don't worry don't worry it'll go away no, don't, don't, But why don't does it have it. to
1: go away? But why it was does just it have put to go away? So you could birth a human?
2: Exactly, right? Well, and my daughter had 12 fingers and 11 toes, so I had extra weight that I was Shut creating up. for her. Oh my gosh, she's very special. So, really?
1: <laughs> yes. Like one extra on each hand?
2: One extra on each hand, and then an extra perfect, lovely little toe. Oh my gosh, she can so, do
1: more than other people. Uh, sh- she's going to be such a really fast typer. Sh- oh
2: my, very fast typer, and <laughs> also, she unfortunately, no longer has her extra fingers, but still has her extra okay. toe. But yeah. she still has her cute, perfect little 11 toes. So she. Be a great gymnast, balance Aww. beam's gonna be her shit. That's so cute. But right, but here's the thing. So here's what you can learn from a baby. All of our bodies are different. My daughter is perfect, every roll, every dimple, every single thing, every toe. And no one has ever and so when you're met with that body, with that baby, we love them exactly who they are. It's only until children start around six years old where we start saying, Ooh. I don't know she looks chunkier like are you sure that that mom's doing enough or maybe you should get more outside time and we start putting all these judgments around six years old and i think if we were to interview every woman in this office that's probably around the first time they started being aware of their bodies and roles
1: yeah i mean i don't ever really remember not feeling yeah. larger than than most people i was also tall yeah which made me feel like this like giant beast mm-hmm. So, and that wasn't yeah. a little girl that wasn't yeah. feminine enough. No, like, right? I, and and that's the thing. Like, I never, like, in my head, that is what I am. Like, it was always there was never a time before where I like was thin and then i gained weight it was just oh you're always a giant beast exactly that's how it is and so there's something wrong
2: with you right yeah and those little girls in your class that maybe were smaller and shorter i was so jealous
1: so jealous you're the cute ones like you're like at camp like that was like the cute girls Mm -hmm. that were like the small teeny little nuggets and you're like (laughs) the one
2: who got picked first for dodgeball and you're like i hate my life yeah
1: (laughs) right honestly no not even even that either yeah
2: so, wait, right, yeah. so when you talk about this idea, I will say my body image was never better than having my child. And there was so much of us that went through, I went through a process where I was like, holy shit, I have never felt stronger in my life than giving birth. I thought it was so badass. I thought it was so wonderful. Not everyone has that experience, but you, the second you give birth, you are targeted. Do you have a waist trainer? Do you want to start with um, who's going to sell me some, what loser from my high school is going to try to sell me um, a multi-level marketing thing of quick weight loss, right? Everywhere. And then you're also getting weighed. Keep in mind during your pregnancy. You're
1: oh getting yeah, you're Going to the doctor all the time.
2: I was, my water broke. I was in the hospital giving birth and I got weighed. What the? hell could they have possibly needed that number for?
1: Right. It's like, They're it is like, what it is. We're doing it. <laughs>
2: what could that possibly maybe, have maybe mattered? Maybe in case
1: they were giving you drugs or something they wanted to. Know. I
2: guess so, but but why would I need to know that number then? Why say it out loud?
1: Why does um, why any of this matter? Oh, yeah. I mean, the performativeness yes. of weigh, weigh-ins uh-huh. with, in the medical community is a totally separate thing. Yeah. But so, okay. So you felt really amazing after giving I birth. I did. So what about, what about when people come to you, couples, Right post baby, mm-hmm. the maybe what what are pe- what issues do people typically come to you with at that time? So
2: so with mom specifically, the most common thing I hear is touched out this term of touched out a lot of that has to do with breastfeeding if I have somebody hanging on me all day in the beginning of your breastfeeding journey oh my god babies take like 45 minutes to nurse they're so slow they're falling asleep you're like flicking their little feet to keep them up it's a really exhausting process and you have someone physically touching you all day so then at night you're with your partner and they want to touch and you're like I'm fucking touched out man get out of here i haven't had time to shower it's also very painful after you have a child and i'm not gonna lie sex does not feel the same if you have a vaginal Ever? birth no no no. it will eventually but it takes a long time to get there and it's honestly pretty uncomfortable especially if you have stitches which i did most people end up yeah. having
1: some type of stitches so what does it feel like
2: um it feels very tight very uncomfortable you got to use a lot of lube
1: oh really oh okay. it's a,
2: whole thing. It's a whole process and you have to go slow and like it's it's you know what it is it's like you're fucking calling in an airplane you're like conducting in like oh, <laughs> a little bit more it's like, like when you first start doing anal it's like a oh little bit God. more a little bit out a little bit sooner yeah it's like conducting this whole thing but not just that there is you, you have to wait until six weeks right for a checkup right so they go to make the stitches or dissolved make sure everything's okay but here's the thing physical therapy should be standard of care post baby you get your doctor says you should go to physical therapy if you get an offender bender right and the fact that we're not sending women to pelvic floor physical therapy immediately after birth that should be standard of care because so many women have pelvic floor issues it's really hard when you're delivering. like what is a
1: pelvic a pelvic how does that affect sex
2: oh it affects everything so so pelvic, your pelvic floor Matters so much ladies So you really really Your pelvic floor Is very important You really want to be strong You really want to do exercises Which the most common one is Kegels yeah. Exactly right Or you can get Kegel balls That's very helpful as well Because who of us Really remember To be doing our Kegels I'm
1: remembering right now you, yeah. every,
2: every time anyone <laughs> says Kegels Every person in this room Is now doing Kegels yeah. And,
1: <laughs> yeah
2: Right So we're all doing this Here together So maybe we should all Just set a timer um, yeah. So your pelvic floor Really is important Because it can make um, If you have a weakened Pelvic floor Sex can be painful You also have difficulty Difficulty um, with uh, keeping your urine in.
1: Oh,
0: mm-hmm. that's, so that's nice. Im-
1: <laughs>
2: isn't it all lovely, right? Yeah. What, what does ladies go through with our bodies? So is it that it's hard to
1: orgasm or is it like the penetration that's painful? Well,
2: so let's remember that a lot of women do not orgasm through penetrative right. sex. That's a, Actually, yeah. very few women do. Most women have like an external clitoral uh, orgasm. Right. So it really depends. And if you've never had a penetrative, um, an internal orgasm, Guess what? Welcome not happening to re- there. Yeah, <laughs> then you know what? Welcome with all of us. Most of us have not. And there's nothing wrong with that. If sex is pleasurable for you, there's no black or white to it. Just find out what works for you and your body. And for you, maybe um, after baby sex is really different. And maybe um, what that sex is, is penetrative with your husband and then using a vibrator. And that's how you sort of find out what works for you.
1: Right. So, OK, so let's say let's say we. That these issues last longer than just mm-hmm. kind of like the, yeah, you getting past the first mm-hmm. like two months, let's okay. say. Okay,
2: so one of the things that all of us can do as women is we have to seriously learn to advocate for ourselves in the healthcare field. Too often, specifically women of color are not listened to by their doctors, and especially women of a larger size or fat women are often not listened to by their doctors. So, if you are having uncomfortable or painful sex, you need to advocate. I cannot tell you how many women have come to me that doctors have said to them, well, have a glass of wine before. Don't fucking do that. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. And they had actual issues of having tearing of their um, of their vaginal walls, right? So I want you to advocate for yourself. It is not working. Find yourself somebody who specializes in pelvic floor. Often, there are amazing physical therapists that do this, and I cannot like say enough, the importance of finding really good healthcare providers that hear you and listen to you and do not minimize
1: you. So what if it's not a technical issue? Mm -hmm. What if it's an emotional issue and they come to you to to, to solve, you know, like, I don't know, some loss of spark or whatever it is,
2: which is really common, especially having a child, right? If I'm only getting three hours of sleep and I'm breastfeeding all day, do you really think I want to fuck my partner? No. No, I do not, right? So one of the things we really talk about is now you have a change of who you are as a mom and as a woman and what's that going to look like. And a lot of us have to renegotiate our relationships with our spouses to talk about some of these different things.
1: So what are the points of renegotiation. So one
2: of the things I do is I talk about communication. If you are guilt tripping me or touching my body without my consent, that's often not good. One of the things I hear a lot from women, um, especially post-baby, is their husbands will try to be really flirtatious and arousing to them. So maybe they touch their breast or their butt or they try to be flirty and sexy and you're just not there because you're touched out, you're exhausted, you're already back at work, you're struggling with your um, breastfeeding supply or maybe you're doing formula fed and you have guilt over that and your husband or a partner tries to come in and be touchy feely and cute with you but it ain't working and that's what i want you to remember but it that, used to work but it used to work and that's when i want you to remember everything that happens within context because if i'm having a day and i had a few glasses of wine and i'm hanging out with my partner and he starts um tickling me that's cute and sexy if i had a really bad day and i'm exhausted and my husband starts tickling me i'm like get the fuck off
1: yeah everything <laughs>
2: happens within context context so what is my context of what I have going on right now and maybe it's going to take a while to get back to that pleasurable sex and so having really strong communication with your partner makes a big difference because if my partner can hear me and they can back off and they can give me a little space all of a sudden I'm like hmm maybe I would like a little sex that ain't so bad right (laughs) so a lot of it starts with that how do I know myself because if I can name it I can tame it
1: prior to maybe having a baby or what kind of work do you think women should be doing on themselves to prepare for this eventuality that they may not be happy with how they feel about or how they feel about how they look Mm -hmm. or about what their body is allowing them pleasure-wise? Like, what can you do to prepare for that?
2: So one of the hardest things I think you have to say is what what has been told to me my whole life and what do I need to throw out the window now? A lot of us actually get Told that sex dies after marriage. A lot of us gets told that's
1: definitely a message. Yes,
2: it's a huge message. And sex dies after baby. Neither of those things have to be true. But I want you to really take a look at like what messages you were given and what's maybe time to throw away. And also, you and your partner get to define what your relationship is going to look like. We all have so much more power and control than we ever possibly think that we could. But you have to listen to yourself, and you gotta fucking try.
1: Okay, we're going to switch and do a uh-huh. listener email. It's long, but I think it is relevant. And since you are an actual um, family therapist, <laughs> that this is good that we okay. have you to answer. Okay. This will be a very long-winded, sorry in advance, but may be triggering to some people who struggle with eating disorders. A little background. I've pretty much always felt fat. some of my earliest memories are of me feeling giant and puffy in my little dance costumes in kindergarten. I can relate. Um, I was actually always a skinny kid, but I never felt that way. In high school, I continued dance and was, in retrospect, very thin and fit. Senior year of high school, I quit dance team and went on birth control in the same year and basically freshman 15 before college. I wasn't able to ever lose the weight and gained even more throughout undergrad and now law school, featuring more or less weight loss and gain with with what I now understand to be slightly disordered eating habits and yo-yo dieting. Basically, I feel as though I've literally always been on a diet of some sort and it's frustrating. Now I live with a roommate who has a very severe eating disorder. I'm not exaggerating when I say that it's severe. She has been hospitalized for it. She displays what I understand to be very negative behaviors from that severe eating disorder, and now she is no longer seeking treatment. It is obviously a problem. The fucked up thing is I feel jealous of her. She has a very stereotypical, sp- stereotypically thin and beautiful physique. She is as thin as she is because of her eating disorder. I know in my head that she is terribly unhealthy and that her lifestyle has taken on some very negative physical, emotional, and social side effects due to her eating disorder, but I can't stop being jealous. I want to look like her and I often find myself feeling like I don't have the willpower to starve myself the way she does. I know consistency, healthy eating, exercise, lots of sleep and water will make me lose weight. I don't want to wait that long. I'm sick of feeling fat. I'm now the friend who can't borrow anyone's clothes, who sits in the front seats in Ubers because my hips are wide and I'll take up too much of the back row and who stands in the back of group pictures. I don't feel like my body belongs to me anymore and I can't make myself love it. I want to shrink it. And if I'm being completely honest, I don't care to build healthy habits over a year. I know this is unhealthy. I kind of don't care at this point. And also, yes, I go to therapy. My therapist just kind of makes me try to love myself and build good habits. I can't make myself get to a place where I think that's helpful and it all feels a little pointless. Am I a bad person for being jealous of my roommate's severe eating disorder? Is there a way to stop feeling like this? How do I stop rolling my eyes at the whole love yourself narrative? A girl who sincerely just Googled how many days does it take to not eat and lose 10 pounds. I'm glad we have you because I don't have an answer.
2: (laughs) Okay. So this person is saying is, am I a bad person of being jealous for my roommate's severe eating disorder? You know what? No, you're not. It's actually completely normal in our culture to be jealous of very thin people, whether it was healthy or not, how they got there. So unfortunately, it is really normal. We idealize eating disorders, even though they have the highest mortality rate of everything any mental illness. So you're not bad, you're not a horrible person, you're actually really typical. And then you're saying, well, there is a way for me to stop feeling like this. Yes, but guess what? It's gonna take a heck of a lot longer than how you got there. Let's remember, it takes decades worth. I don't know how old this person is, I'm gonna guess 20s, 30s. So if you spent decades living through diet culture, honey, it's going to take you a few decades more to get out. You will stop feeling like this, but with a lot of help. But also something to think about is, is this the healthiest roommate for you to have? What am I surrounding myself by? And Am I checking there is some stuff in her past that maybe there has been some disordered eating? Are you checking and being really vulnerable and honest in therapy? And does it really feel like that therapist is a good fit for you? Listen, as someone who is a therapist, I highly recommend shopping for therapists and finding lots of them. And maybe that therapist, the feedback they're giving you isn't fully fitting.
1: Sometimes your therapist is good for like a a time in your or like a time in your life like this person it was working and then you maybe realize like, Oh, maybe I need something else. Absolutely.
2: And it's And that's good. Listen, let me tell you, as a therapist in the past two years, right while I was pregnant, I saw five different therapists during that time because I could not find the right fit. I usually give them each about three sessions. It takes a while to find the right fit. So, you know, it's okay that therapist isn't a bad therapist and you're not a bad client. Sometimes you just have to look around to make sure like you're really doing the work. Um, So there is a way to stop feeling this. A great way to start is I want you to really think about ants and cats. And ants is an automatic negative thought. It's negative to look at your clients or this and this goes to some of the anxiety and OCD thoughts right so the thought is like to to look at your client to look at your client to look at your roommate and say oh god but she's so thin or look how well all those clothes fit on her or look that they can all share clothes and i can't and so what i can do with an ant they just crawl into my brain i'm not trying to have them is you're going to counteract them with meow a cat a cat's a counteracting thought and so what you're going to say back to that is you want to know what feelings and thoughts aren't facts this person is really suffering and it's unhealthy for me unhealthy for me to idealize what they're saying here so there is a way so I want you to all one thing you can take away from the show is ants and cats how do I stop rolling my eyes at the whole love yourself narrative stop believing it that shit doesn't work at the beginning it does not work when you are in the first part of recovery of your disordered eating love myself how about just be okay with yourself How about just meet yourself as a new friend? How about just welcome yourself? It's okay. You don't have to stand in the mirror and do bullshit, positive affirmations if they don't work for you. But what you can do is call yourself out for bullying yourself. That's one exact thing you can do. So ants and cats. And if this person needs any other feedback, they can reach out to me directly and let themselves know. Okay.
1: I think that's a great answer. I want to try it. Ants and cats. Ants
2: and cats, baby. I have
1: ants all day. You
2: have ants all day, right? And all of us do. And it's normal. It's the same thing, right? If you're standing in front of the sub, people get so freaked out of like violent, intrusive thoughts. Am I standing on the subway yes. what if I jump in front of it? Or if I'm um, putting food down the garbage. Oh, in New York, guys don't have garbage disposals, do you? <laughs> Isn't that like, oh, no, I don't, oh, no. I don't have one. That's not yeah. right. Or a blender, yeah. right? If, I'm, if my hand goes in the blender. These are violent, intrusive thoughts. They're actually totally normal to have. They're not facts. It doesn't mean you want to act on them. It's just normal human nature for our mind to do that. Same thing with body hating because of the culture we live in. So all you do, identify it. You don't have to say, oh no, my body's perfect. Just say, oh man, that was mean and that was a harsh thing to say to myself and keep moving on your
1: day. That's great. Well, we'll get to violent, intrusive thoughts on my non-scale win. So (laughs) do you know what a non-scale win is? I know what a non-scale win is, yes. So do you have a non-scale win for this week?
2: Um, A non-scale win for this week. My non-scale win for this week, I am someone who, like I said, I really believe in dressing bodies exactly how they are um so I just before in my life I would never have spent money on like buying a nice piece piece of clothing for myself and I just allowed myself to buy into a rental service newly which is like urban outfitters free people and anthropology because I actually know that free people clothes fit me very well because they tend to be more oversized um and so I actually allowed myself to spend money and take care and appreciate and love my body Dressed well
1: That's amazing I love that I think about that All the time That I feel so much better When I'm dressed But I (sighs) I just don't even I feel like so overwhelmed by yeah. everything that I can't even but maybe I don't know maybe one day
2: it's it's yeah. so hard and it's such an ongoing process and that's why sometimes even doing a rental thing makes you feel a little better yeah. than spending more money it does and like so that's what I mean it's like everything is baby steps I can't imagine how transformative this podcast has even been for you in your oh, life
1: yeah right it has
2: like, has this not been the best like this is better than therapy for you correct it
1: It you works could, with it, yes, um sometimes I wonder like what the effects have been, but I think overall it has been positive, yeah, honestly.
2: so it's so much. And if you surround if you choose to surround yourself with more positivity, we say this thing, you know, right now it's a big thing on Instagram. Oh, follow the accounts that make you feel like shit. We forget to say, follow the ones that make you feel good. Um, so <laughs> there are yeah. so many health at every size people. Go follow them,
1: yeah, definitely. Um, so my on scale actually you, you said, how has this podcast kind of been for mm. you? And my announcement actually has to do with last week's episode. Um last week Aileen and I spoke about basically like our severe anxiety and um almost like OCD. I don't want to say almost, because O C D like tendencies. Yeah. And it was honestly very eye-opening some of the responses that I've gotten. And I would just like to say that there were a lot of you guys who who DM me or got in touch with me saying that you feel the same exact mm-hmm. way. You have the same sort of scary thoughts that are like super catastrophic and the, and this type of thing. So just for me feeling I share, I shared those with my therapist yeah. too. Um, and just feeling like, Oh, I shared something that was super really bothering me. And that to know that I'm not alone, that you're, you're all not alone. And that just knowing that, getting what I got out of sharing that was really special. So that was my win for last week. I love it. Yes. Um, So Emily, where can people find you? So yeah, people can find it's me your at time.
2: Um, Westchester Therapy Group or the Philadelphia Therapy Group if you're in the Pennsylvania area. If you're looking for um, virtual or Skype sessions, you can always reach out too. You can hear me as the co-host of String Chicks or follow us at WC Therapy Group. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm a huge fan and happy to be here. I thank love you so sh-
1: Betches. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Mm-hmm. This was such a great, helpful episode. I hope that it was for all of you guys too. So,
2: And if you have questions about anything that I said, you can reach right on out to me and I will respond to your DMs.
1: Yeah. And you could also listen to Emily on the Betches Brides podcast. She gives amazing advice for the soon to be or newly married or even married longer than that. (laughs) Um, And follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow. Follow me at Sammy. Follow Eileen at Eileen. Email us at DST at Betches.com if you have any questions or thoughts or want to share anything with us. Um, And please rate, review and subscribe. If you like this podcast, it helps us get really amazing guests. It helps us thrive. And it really is just nice to hear your feedback. So thank you so much. We're always with you through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is hosted by Aileen Cooperman. And Sammy Fishbein. Our editor is Sean Kilby. Our podcast producers are Mike Coscarelli,
3: Sean Kilby, and Carly Rice. And artwork is by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram. And email your questions and non-scale wins to DST at Betches.com.
1: Betches.